You know, there are several things that were supposed to happen today that aren't going to happen. Uh, if you've been tracking along with this sermon series that we've been in called Words to Live By, uh, I know some of you, you, you kind of exported it out into your eye calendar or your Outlook calendar, and so you know in advance what sermon we're preaching and who's preaching and what's going to happen. And today, for those of you that are like that, there's, there's three of you and all of them are on staff. Um, <laughs> But today was supposed to be Pastor Mark and I, and we were going to be team teaching. I mentioned a minute ago that we're a part of Mount Perrin North. We were birthed out of the Marietta campus, and Pastor Mark Walker, Dr. Mark Walker, potentate Dr. Mark Walker, whatever you want to call him, uh, he is our senior pastor, and uh, he's my pastor. And he's a good man, and he's here uh, every few weeks, every four, five, six weeks or so. He is with us and, and speaks and is a part of our gathering here, and he's at Marietta, the Marietta campus other than that. And so today was the day that he was scheduled to be with us, and we were going to do a little tag team, and we were going to preach out of the book of Job and talk about wisdom and pain as a part of this series. A couple things have happened to shake that up a little bit. Pastor Justin Walker, who is uh, Pastor Dr. Reverend Mark's son, uh, was... Uh, with us last week, and he spoke and did an incredible job talking out of the book of Ecclesiastes. And he mentioned in that service a little bit of the things or a few of the things that their family's been through in the last few weeks. Yesterday, Justin, well, I won't even give Justin credit for it. His wife, Amanda, gave birth to a baby, uh, and that's their second child. They had a daughter, Kennedy, about three years ago. And then uh, Mark Judah was born yesterday, nine pounds, four ounces. Uh, healthy baby, mommy's doing great, baby's doing great, uh, dad is just in the way, obviously. But uh, so in the last two weeks, th- their family, Pastor Mark and his wife Udella and Justin and Amanda and Ashton and her uh, new husband, Caleb, they have experienced um, the birth yesterday. They've experienced uh, a wedding two Saturdays ago of Ashton and, and her new husband, Caleb. And during that service, during that ceremony, Udella's father passed away. And so they have experienced the entire kind of emotional roller coaster that's possible of birth and death and new uh, wedding, uh, people joining the family through that. And so, um, you know, we just gave Pastor Mark permission just to skip out today and just be grandpa and just love on that new grandbaby and love on Kennedy. And, and so we just gave him permission to do that. So he's not here today. He will be back with us in just a few weeks. But if you would, just keep their family in your prayers. The second thing that was a part of that, and I mentioned it, was we were going to be looking in the book of Job at this continuation of our series called Words to Live By. And so we're not doing that. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about this subject called the tabernacle. Um, what we're going to go to in just a minute is found in the book of Numbers. So if you got your Bible, you can flip there. It's early on in the Old Testament. But what this part of the story really captures is one of my favorite parts of Scripture. I love the story of the children of Israel in the Old Testament. And I realize that even saying that doesn't help you to understand what part of the story I'm talking about because the story of the children of Israel really is a chunk of the Old Testament. Most of the Old Testament is about them being and becoming a people. The New Testament is about a continuation of that and the the newness of the gospel to them and to their neighbors, the Gentiles. But if you think about the story of Joseph, Joseph's the guy that has the coat of many colors and he has these brothers who sold him into slavery. And then he goes and eventually in prison uh, gets the opportunity to come out and tell uh, Pharaoh what his dream means. And he is elevated into the highest places of government there. He's actually talked about as the second most powerful man in the kingdom. And and really at that point, the second most powerful man in the world. And so there's a famine that comes in the land. And Joseph's family, like so many others in that part of the known world, they come to Joseph for food. And their family comes and then establishes themselves in a home there in that place in Egypt. 
Well, then something happens. Joseph and his brothers, they die off, but their families continue to grow. And then Pharaoh, he dies off, and there comes a new Pharaoh, Scripture says, that doesn't know Joseph or what he's really done. And so now all he sees is that these people, Joseph and the 11 brothers, their descendants, their sons and their daughters and nieces and nephews and their livestock, they begin to overtake the Egyptian people. There's more of them than there are the Egyptians. And so this new Pharaoh says, okay, well, we don't want them to overpower us and take over. So we're going to put them into slavery, put them into bondage. And so we see now this time in their history where they're now in slavery and they're in bondage. And we see that, you know, they're captured and all these parts of the incredible story. It's amazing. And then what happens? The Pharaoh says, hey, to keep, you know, keep them under wraps, we want to kill all their new baby boys, all their new baby sons. But Moses' mom doesn't listen. And so she takes Moses and she puts him in a basket and she puts him over in the river. And one day Pharaoh's daughter is down by the river and she goes and she sees the basket and she takes the child out. And eventually Moses' mom gets to help raise Moses. And then Moses moves into the palace to be Pharaoh's daughter's son. And then we see that Moses is out one day taking a walk and he sees an Egyptian and one of his Hebrew people fighting And he goes and he kills the Egyptian to try to protect his Hebrew brother. And when he does, he thinks no one has seen it. But the next day when he goes back out, somebody says, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And Moses goes into hiding and he goes out running through the desert. And he spends a number of years in the desert because he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. And he's waiting on God to show him what, what to do. And one day Moses is out in the middle of the desert and he's tending his father-in-law's sheep and a bush bursts into flames and God's voice speaks to him out of that bush and says, Moses, Moses, come take off your sandals for this is holy ground. And they have a conversation there and, and God says to Moses, I want you to go and I want you to set my people free. I want you to go and tell Pharaoh that I want my people set free. I want those descendants of Joseph and his family that were put into slavery when, when the Pharaoh didn't know who they were. I want them now set free. And Moses says, listen, I have a stuttering problem. I don't think I can do that. When I get there, what happens if even my own people don't think that I'm the one that's supposed to lead them? And God says, if you go, I'll go with you. Take somebody with you that can help you speak and help you tell the story. But I want you to go. I'm not asking you for your ability. I'm asking for your availability. And Moses finally consents and says, okay, I'll go. He gets there to Pharaoh, and through a series of conversations and miraculous events, we see the plagues that come, and we see Pharaoh say, yes, I'll, send, I'll set them free, and no, they've got to stay here. And we see God changing his heart and turning his heart, and eventually he says, okay, you can go, and they leave. And as soon as they're out the door, Pharaoh realizes, I've made a mistake. And so he sends his army after them, and God's people, through the leadership of Moses, get to the edge of the water, and you know this story. He takes, and he gets in, and he drops his staff into the water, and the waters roll back, and they walk across on dry ground, and they get out into the desert. And as they get across, Pharaoh's army comes and gets into that same place between the waters, and the waters roll back through the miracle of God, and they, they, they kill all of, the water kills all of Pharaoh's army. And so now God's people are in the middle of the desert, in between Egypt and the promised land that God had originally promised to them in Genesis chapter 11 to their father Abram. And now they're just out in the desert. And we see that God begins to speak through the leadership of Moses and he gives the Ten Commandments and he gives all the rules and regulations. And he says, this is how I want your people to be established so that when you get into that place and you're surrounded by all of these other people who do not believe in me, but they believe in other gods, I want there to be a clear sign of who you are and who you worship. And so he gives them all the rules and all the regulations. And then, as a part of that, this really amazing thing happens. 
they don't have anywhere to worship God. And so God, through the leadership of Moses, gives very clear instructions about how to establish the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is this place that they're going to come and they're going to meet together and they're going to worship God and they're going to offer these sacrifices that have been laid out in the law. And I want us to read here in Numbers chapter 9 a little bit of the information that's provided here about how the tabernacle was set up and what happened when they knew that it was time to move. Numbers chapter 9 beginning in verse 15. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. And at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after the people of Israel set out, and in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel camped. At the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out, and at the command of the Lord, they camped. And as long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle, many days the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle, and according to the command of the Lord, they remained in camp. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. And whether it was two days or a month or a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle, abiding there, the people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. You follow that? What I just gave you was the story that began with Joseph in Genesis 38 into Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers all the way to chapter 9. It's the first part of the Old Testament. I just summarized it for you. There's your cliff notes. There's a test later. All right? But here's what the scriptures are telling us in Numbers chapter 9. They're telling us the same thing that we talked about in our very first service in this room 161 services ago. Pastor Mark and I sat on two stools right here, and we had a screen right there. We only had one screen then too, but it was over to the side. And this is what the picture looked like. And we, had a, we talked that morning about something called portable church. And we talked about this story. We talked about the idea that God's people... We're the first portable church. We are a portable church. We're a campus that's portable. And so if you're not familiar with what that means, if you just show up at 1030-ish, like a lot of folks do that are a part of our campus, you're not really aware that there's a bunch of folks that show up earlier than that and set this place up. It doesn't always look like this. There's not normally pipe and drape. There's not the things that are in our kids' classrooms down the hallways. Those are drama rooms and art rooms and choir rooms and a detention room, I think, during the lunch period. And this doesn't look like this. Right behind this curtain, there's a set for good man Charlie Brown that's coming in just a few weeks. You need to buy tickets and support their drama club. But, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening in this place. And we just, we just let the school use it six days a week so that we can have access to it on Sundays. But we're a portable church. And so what we're reading in Numbers chapter 9 is that we're not the first portable church, not even by a long stretch here, because what happened is when God said go, they would go. And when they got to the place where God said stop, they would stop. Scripture just kept talking about them tarrying, abiding, staying, and then talking about them setting out. And so maybe you weren't really sure what it was saying. It was saying, listen, when God moved the cloud, 
He said, follow the cloud. And they would go until the cloud stopped. And when they got to that place, they would stop and they would set up camp there. And whether it was for one night or a day or a month or longer, they would stay right there until God said, it's time to go. And so they would do that. Well, as a part of that, there was a team of people. There were actually three teams of people that set up the tabernacle. They set up the place. Some people would take the poles and the structure. Some people would take the tent covering that was over those poles. And then some people would take the holy things that were a part of the things that were in the tabernacle. So when you came and offered sacrifice, there were things that had to be a part of that. There were three teams. Interestingly, on our setup teams, we have three teams as well because we're biblical like that. And... We just lucked into it, I guess. But there were three teams of people. And you can read about this. It's fascinating to me. Maybe it's not fascinating to you, but it is fascinating to me. And they would do these things. They would just set it up. And then when God said it's time to go, they would tear it all down. And I can just imagine if we just take our own names and we just transport them into this story, I can just imagine that, you know, the cloud, they wake up and the cloud is moving. And so Brian Hightower says, okay, guys, we're the guys that are getting the pipes. And then... You know, Rick Sandals like, and we've got all the drapes. And then Helene Heinemann says, and I've got all the holy things, right? Because we wouldn't trust her husband with the holy things. And so they would take those things and they would just transport them. And when they got to this new place, Helene would say, I've got the holy things. And Brian would say, I'm setting up the pipes. And Rick would say, well, I've got the drapes. And they would put the tabernacle back together. And they were the first portable church and they would do this amazing thing. I love the tenacity of a group of people that say, listen, whatever it takes, we're creating space to worship God. I love it. Stories tell us, through some supplemental readings that, that go along and parallel some of the Old Testament scriptures, that this went on for a long time. First Kings chapter 6 actually references back and said that it happened for about 480 years. Even outside of the desert, they get into the promised land, but there was no permanent space created for God's people to worship. So for about 480 years, they had semi-permanent, portable spaces to worship God until Solomon arrives. He's the second king, or really the third king, but he followed his father who followed Saul. And he, he's the, the third king, but the, the second most powerful king. He ended up being the richest, wisest man ever to rule. And he has a heart, just like his father had a heart, to establish a place for God's people to permanently meet together. And so in 1 Kings chapter 6, we see that he set out to establish a permanent space for God to meet with his people. But here's the bottom line of this part of the story that I want to make sure you don't miss. Wherever God's people gather, that's where the church is. Wherever God's people gather, that's where the church is. I've been conditioned like you've been conditioned that God's people gather in a church and the church is the building and it's the structure and it's the facility and we're going to church, not going to be the church. Wherever God's people gather, that's where the church is. And we see that established all the way back in the Old Testament and lived out in the New Testament in those little gospel communities that kind of just exploded out of the Gospels, out of the message of Jesus Christ into the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, we see these gospel communities explode. And we see that wherever God's people gathered, that's where the church is. They were faithful to stay until God said it was time to move. But here's what I believe we see in them, and I want to make sure I'm always living out and I'm always leading us in this regard. When God says go, it's time to go. And so now I want to fill you in on the big announcement we've been holding out to tell you. 
Turn your attentions to the screen and watch this. January of 2014, our campus did 21 days of prayer and fasting, and one of our major prayer points was for a more permanent location for us as a campus to meet. And here we are in December of 2014, just a few days from the end of the year, and in the last few days we have come across this location here at 110 Bluffs Parkway. And uh, this is a lease space, it would not be a purchase for us. Uh, it's very similar in the financial obligations for us as a campus to what we pay at the school. And so we've entered into some non-binding negotiations with the owners of this property to see if it might be something that would serve us as a 24-7 presence, 365 day a year access from which to do ministry. So I want you to come with me now. Let's walk through this and dream a little bit about what God might be doing. We're standing in a space here that could potentially be a worship space for us. So right now it's just walls and windows. But in the next few months, this place could transform into a space where we worship God together. This is another of the units here, and this is about a 1,500 square foot unit. And this would be a space, along with several others, that we would transform into kids' spaces. So you can see now it's just one big open room with some bathrooms in the back. But we would look to transform this by building in some walls and create multiple classrooms where kids could be engaged to learn about the love of Jesus Christ. We love kids at Mount Perry North Canton and this could be the place that they meet. And I'm standing here with some of these kids and with uh, my wife and with Pastor Jeremy and Corey. We're dreaming about what could be in this space in the future. You know, this could be a place where not only Luke and Cooper and Branson and Avery and Kinley and Tucker would come to be ministered to, but their friends and others like them all over our community would come to a place just like this to hear the message of the gospel. All right, you can have a seat. Thank God it's out. I don't keep secrets well. Ask my wife. I give her her Christmas presents in like October. Man, I've been holding this in for far too long. It's why I was gaining weight. I was eating, stress eating. No, man, we, we've been, you know, we, we talked about it in the video, but we prayed a year ago. Pastor Trevor looked on his TimeHop app, which is an app that he has that kind of syncs up all of his social media accounts, and you can look back over the years from this exact date. And he said that last year he was in anticipation of that Sunday because it was the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. 
And we were concluding it with a night of worship, and we were going to celebrate. It's one of the most powerful days we've ever had in the history of our campus in the three-plus years. But today was a day that, man, we were pointing to because this was maybe now the most anticipated day, and, and they just keep coming. And we prayed during that 21 days for three specific things. We prayed for salvations. We prayed that God would just bring salvations to, his, to this place, to this campus, to our church. We were praying for over 200 salvations between our, our two campuses this past year. And we saw about 50 people uh, receive the gift of salvation at our campus last year. We prayed for spiritual awakening. And what that meant for us is we just wanted a, a, just a, a supernatural just presence of God. And we gathered together that people could just experience who God was and his presence and his power every time that we gathered. And we prayed for a permanent location for our campus. And I want you to think about, for those that may be familiar with part of the story, and, and for those that are not, we'll talk about it here for just a moment before we close. But I want you to think about what's happened in the last 12 months. In the last 12 months, we've continued to gather here every single Sunday, but God has been supernaturally orchestrating plans for our long-term future here in the Canton community. Uh, this past fall, we received a gift of 40 acres of property right on the interstate on 575 at the Riverstone exit. 40 acres of property valued at over a million dollars. It was on the market for over a million dollars, and it was gifted to us, to our campus. I mean, that's enough just to pause and take a praise break, all right? But we're not going to do that. We're just going to pass right through that because what we knew at that moment was that we didn't know how long it would take us to really inhabit that place, to, to transfer our permanent location to that place. We would have to raise money to, to build a building. And thank God we wouldn't have to raise money to buy the dirt and buy the land and all that. That was gifted to us, but we would have to raise money to build the building. And we weren't even sure if we were going to utilize it for our permanent location. It might be that the market indicated that it was better for us financially to even sell that property and leverage that towards another future for us in the community, but we had been given this incredible resource. And so even as a part of that, we knew, okay, if we're going to stay in the school until we go there, then it may be a couple more years. And so we want to continue to look for a more permanent space for us to meet in because we only have access to the school for five hours per Sunday. We come in, set it up, have church, tear it down. So we have other needs and we rent other spaces and utilize other spaces for our student ministry on Sunday night. We store our equipment at another location. We have life group leader training at another location. We have small groups that can't meet in homes, so they meet in another location. We rent space and we do things like women's nights out and, and events like that. When we do couple to couple, we have to rent other spaces, auxiliary spaces that are outside of the school. There's so much that's in our heart to serve the community, but we just don't have access to this building to do those things. And so we wanted to try to find a space that would allow us to fulfill what we believe God had put into our heart, to just be a ministry and an asset into this community. And so we continued to look. And so, man, we've looked at so many different properties and so many different lease spaces and so many different buildings and all kinds of things. We've looked at churches that were moving or relocating, and we looked at their space. We've looked at, again, retail space and old abandoned restaurants. And, man, we've looked at just about it. Some of you said, hey, have you looked at this space? And we'd go look at that. And so we, I had lunch a few months ago up off the Riverstone exit, and as I was driving, I, I, I happened by this, this building. This is the Sears building, if you're familiar with that, right behind the post office, right behind Home Depot there off of Riverstone, kind of at the, the juncture of Riverstone Boulevard and the road that connects. I can't remember that name right now. For some reason, the road that connects that to Reinhardt Park, Parkway. And so uh, this is a space that 22,000 cars a day drive by, and I happened by it. And when I did, I saw some new lease signs. I had actually looked at this space like a year ago and passed it on to a team of people that were helping us to look for space. And, but there was a new lease sign with a new agent that I was familiar with that we'd worked with before to look for some other space. And so we called. 
And we got in to look at the space and we walked around and I went back and I talked to other people and I took people back and I took our pastoral staff up there and I took some elders up there and I took a leadership team we have. And man, we walked. And the first day that I walked the property, the very first day, I laid my hands on the glass door. And here was the prayer that I prayed. God, if this is where you want us, make it plain. And if this is not, shut the door in my face. And I really, from the very first day, you can ask my wife, you can ask some of our staff members, I felt from the first day, that's where God wanted us to go. It didn't always look like it was going to happen. We started negotiating, and we were not close. And so we offered, you know, a much lower number than they were originally asking, and they came down and met almost to our number exactly. And then we started negotiating the terms and the length of terms because here's what we know. We've still got the 40 acres, so we didn't want to be there forever unless that's what God had for us. So we tried to negotiate into those terms the ability for us to stay as long as we felt like we needed to stay there, but to get out if we needed to get out and it not be financially uh, not beneficial to us, so a negative thing for us to try to get out of that space if we develop the 40 acres. And so we just, we just kept looking and kept negotiating, kept talking, kept praying. And there were times that I just did not think it was going to happen, but I just kind of rested on that space in my heart that I felt like God had assured me that first day, holding my hands on that glass. So I just prayed, God, if this is where you want us to go, just make it plain. And time and time and time again, he would do that. And so we continued to meet and to pray and to talk about that. So let me just give you some information about this space and kind of talk you through a little bit about what the next few weeks and months might look like for us. This is the 40 acres. You can see that because there's a big yellow blob that says 40 acres on it. That's right off exit 20. You take a ride. It's across from J.P. Haynes Lumberyard there uh, on Ballground uh, Highway. It's about a mile off the interstate. It just, there's 2,000 feet of road frontage on 575 on the northbound lanes there. So you come back to exit 20. Instead of going right, you turn left at the second red light. There's a gas station there. You turn right at that gas station. You go up, you pass Home Depot and the post office, and you're in the Sears building there. Uh, as it relates to the proximity to Sequoia High School, uh, it is 8.2 miles from Sequoia. Uh, and so it's very convenient in its location where it's at, but it depends on where you live, whether or not it's more convenient to where you live and how you get to Sequoia. Now, for me, it's quicker to go to the new building than it is to Sequoia High School by several minutes, and I live in the Holly Springs area. But if you're coming from Sequoia, the easiest way is to go up and catch 140, take 140 to the new Northside Drive, come up behind the, the new uh, shopping there at 19, and catch the interstate up one exit. It's about eight miles or so. Uh, it takes about maybe 10, 15 minutes tops from Sequoia. But again, depending on where you live, uh, it may be a little longer or a little shorter, depending on where you're at. But that's the proximity there. The building itself is currently inhabited by several other tenants. There's about 30-something thousand square feet of space here on two levels. And so what you see is you see this bottom level here, and that's actually where Sears is at, right here in the middle. Sears is in that space, and then there are um, some other things. Sears storage is on this side. The karate place that's on the top level is actually moving downstairs uh, into those spaces, and then some other tenants. On the, on the top level, Anytime Fitness is there, uh, and our agent told us, in case you're unfamiliar with this, that they're open anytime, and he wasn't even kidding. Um, there's also a nail salon, so, you know, it's kind of a one-stop shop. There's a marine recruitment center, a nail salon, Anytime Fitness, a karate place, and Sears. So you can pick up an appliance, get some karate lessons, have your nails done before you go and join the Marines. So now you can also have your soul cared for by our church. 
Um, but there's two levels. So what you do when you pull into the parking lot is you turn left and you come up into the upper level parking. And we will be, if you see the ATA karate sign here, we will be from right here all the way almost to the very end of the building. It's 9,000 square feet. We're going to transform that space into an auditorium for worship space. We're going to transform some of that space into a lobby and then kids' classrooms and then some offices and multi-purpose rooms to be able to do some of the things, again, that are in our heart. So you can see this is a very crude rendering of what we're looking at doing, but you would walk into where the main sign was at that you just saw there. Um, these are the double doors that bring you into the lobby. The auditorium will be to this side. All the kids' space, kids' check-in will be at the end of the lobby going into a secure area to be able to secure that for our kids. And then the other end of the building, which will be primarily utilized throughout the week, will be multi-purpose rooms and office spaces. And so you can see this is kind of just our first pass of some renderings. We've got architectural drawings being done right now. Then we'll move into the, contract, uh, to, into the contractor uh, permitting phase, and then we'll start the build-out. So this is not a long-term uh, process that we're talking about here. You know, we talked about with the 40 acres, it might take us some time and all that. We're looking to be in this space this spring. And so for us, I just got an amen over here from somebody on a setup team, I think. Now, obviously, a lot of things can change that, and we're going to keep you updated as information changes because it depends on how long it takes us to finish up the, the drawings and get all those things done. It depends on how long it takes for permitting. It depends on how long it takes us for build-out. But our hope is that in the next few months, we can transition from this space into that space. Our contract with the school ends at the end of May. We have the ability to get out a little sooner if we give proper notice there. And so we'll sync that up once we get everything and we can move towards the occupancy of that space. Uh, but for us, that's our plan. We're trying to aggressively get into that space because we believe it's the right time, it's the right move, and that God is directing us to that space. And so I, I just want you to be in prayer about that. I want you to be in prayer about the process and all the people that are going to be a part of that process. If you're a contractor or a subcontractor and you think that you might be able to help us in this, you feel free to come and talk to me and let's see if we might be able to, to utilize that in ways that benefit us both. We want to be good steward of the resources that God's entrusted to us. And we know that once we get there, that we'll have ongoing ministry needs. So we want to try to manage the finances it takes to move into that space as, as good as we can. And so if you're a part of something that you feel like could help us to do that and you can donate supplies or labor or something like that, then come talk to us. Let's see if that's something that we can benefit from. Even beyond that, there's going to be opportunities for us to contribute financially once we get a little closer. There's going to be opportunities for us maybe to volunteer time and go and put together furniture and help us to move things in and out of the space. And so we'll keep you updated. We'll keep you, you know, apprised of what's coming up so that you can know how you get to be a part of helping us make the move. Because when God says go, it's time to go. It doesn't mean anything about Sequoia. They have been incredible to us. This is not us trying to escape some kind of bad situation. They've been great to us. The people that serve on staff here and the administration and the faculty, the people that are part of the Cherokee County school system that we deal with, they have been unbelievable to us. And we've tried to be good renters in return, not just because we want to be good renters, but we also know that we're trading on the name of Jesus Christ. And so we want to make sure that when we leave this place, we leave it better than when we came in. And so we've tried to do that every single time. And so it's not about trying to escape anything. It's not about trying to run away from portable church. We just believe that God has ordained this time for us to make this move. So I, I ask you just to be in prayer about uh, this process and what it looks like and the timing of it and all the things that we would just get God's favor throughout this process. And here's what I know. I know that God is faithful. And I know that for a lot of reasons, but I just recanted some of the reasons that we collectively can know that God is faithful. 
And God has guided this process every single step of the way. And we kind of came up with a little pet phrase uh, about six, eight months ago that really kind of resonated with where we were at and what God was doing. And it's this, where God guides, he provides. When three and a half, four years ago, we started the conversation about coming to Canton and opening a new campus out of Mount Perrin North, it didn't really make a lot of head sense. I mean, it, it didn't really kind of, you know, it wasn't like everybody was saying, yeah, this is the right time and this is the... But man, Pastor Mark felt like in his heart that God was saying to go. And when God says go, it's time to go. And so he just kind of put that passion, that burden, that dream out of his heart into a few of us. And we said, yeah, we, that, that resonates with us. We, yeah, we want to we be a part of what God may be doing in Canton. Over the last three plus years, we've just seen God do amazing things. We celebrated our third anniversary just a few Sundays ago. And we celebrated the fact that hundreds of people have walked through these doors, maybe thousands at this point. We've, we celebrated that marriages were restored and kids had come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Students had the opportunity to engage the presence and power of God both here and in our student services. We talked about the fact that people were contributing of their time and their energy to serve and to volunteer and to get up maybe on their only day off on Sunday mornings, get up early and come and to create space for people to receive Jesus Christ. We talked about the people that have been saved. We talked about the people that claim to be healed. We talked about the people that experienced all that God had for them in their lives and had a renewed sense of purpose and a, new, a renewed sense of identity. And we just thanked God for those things because then God showed up again and he says, listen, I, I want you to be here long-term. And so in order to do that, there's some things you don't even know that are coming. And so I just need to give you this incredible resource of 40 acres of property and over a million dollars because I just don't want that to be something that's a roadblock in you accomplishing what I've called you to in this community. And so even as we held that resource and we tried to be good stewards there and tried to make decisions about what that long-term future looked like, we continued to look because we continued to feel God kind of prodding us even into some different spaces. And then we ran across this building. We ran across this space, 110 Bluffs Parkway. We said, okay, God, what is it that you might be doing here? And all along the way, we felt God saying, where I'm guiding I am providing. Man, that just, it does something to my heart because here's, here's what I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what our sixth anniversary looks like. I only know what our first three felt like. I don't know what our 12th anniversary looks like. I just know what these first three have felt like. I don't know all the people that will walk through the door there that have never come through the doors here. I don't know the students that will reach and the kids that will reach. I don't know the people that will come to events on our campus. I don't know the people that will be coming to Anytime Fitness or to get their nails done or to contemplate going into the Marines or coming to Sears to buy a refrigerator. And God just checks their heart when they see our sign. And God says, no, it's not about a refrigerator and it's not about your nails and it's not about working out and it's not about the Marines. It's about that place. I was there last Tuesday night meeting with some folks and walking through the space. And there were like 60 cars in the parking lot. Now, there's two reasons for that. One, it's January, and everybody's got a New Year's resolution to work out. So there will be less cars once February 1st rolls around. But, man, I also felt like God was saying to me, some of these people are in this parking lot, and they think it's about one thing, but I'm sending you to this building because it's about something else. I don't know how to be more honest than that. I just, I just looked at all those cars. I actually ran back to the little 
animal hospital that's right behind us that will actually steal some of their parking on Sunday mornings. And I went into that part of the parking lot and I snapped a picture and I couldn't even capture with my phone all the cars that were in the parking spots. And so I just said a quick prayer and I said, God, whoever all these people are, let us point them to you. And so as quick as we can, we're going to put a sign up that says, hey, we're coming. And while you're working out and you're getting your nails done, soon we're going to be here too. And so I just want you to be in prayer. God, what are you doing? How can I be a part of it? I'm excited. I'm coming. If you're a part of our setup teams and you're part of our volunteer teams, don't just quit showing up. We still got some time here. God's not through with us here yet. But at some point, he's going to transition how we implement the ministry that he's called us to. The vision's still the same. The heart's still the same. The desire to reach people's still the same. But how we do that may look a little different. So we're going to do that. And our transitioning, our volunteer teams, and all the things that we've got going on, we're going to do all that. Stay faithful. Because when we stay faithful, I believe it honors God. We're going to finish well here. We're going to transition there, and we're going to start well there. Because what you just saw at the end of that video is we're just getting started. It was on the video that we celebrated at our three-year anniversary. We're just getting started. Like some of you have been here since the beginning, since before the beginning. And some of you, this is your first Sunday here. And and that's okay. Somewhere in between, all of us joined this room. And there are more people that will join us. It's coming. I mean, I cannot wait to see what God has in store and why it is that God continues to choose to open doors of opportunity to us I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part. I do not want to miss out on what God is doing because wherever God's people gather, that's where the church is. When God says it's time to go, it's time to go. I want us to pray and ask God just to bless this process. Thank him for his continued blessings thus far and ask God how I and you may be a part of what he's doing through us here. God, I thank you so much for all that you've done to this point in our history. It started long before we ever came to Canton when you were writing dreams on people's hearts. God, I thank you for people that were receptive to that and people that opened up their hearts to it and to you. God, in the three plus years that we've been here, we have been blown away at all the things that you've accomplished and how you've allowed us just to be a small part of what you're doing. We thank you for your continued provision that wherever you've guided us, you've provided for us. And God, we pray that as we take this next step that you would continue to provide. God, I believe with all of my heart that you are writing a story that we're going to tell our grandchildren about. I believe it. And so I am prayerful that you would allow all of us to see this through the lens of eternity. And understand that this is bigger than us. This is about you. And it's about others. Thank you, God. And let me play whatever role you choose to allow me to do in the story that you're writing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more time, can we put our hands together and just thank God.